Well, happy Mother's Day. Pray that that's a great message to you, and we want to, to know that we love you. I also hope that as we were singing our songs of worship today, that the message that was in every one of those songs comes through and speaks into your heart, and that you, in turn, worship God and allow that message to speak into you. For each and every one of them ties into what God has brought to us in his word today. And so we're going to speak God's word to you, but I want to say thank you. Um, the incredible tech team, our worship team that put together all the services and different things as we were separated one from another. God has been moving, doing incredible stuff. I am so blessed by what God is doing in the church. I want you to know that God is actively moving in this time in a big time way. And we've been praying for a move of God and I believe it is happening. And we in the church need to continue to embrace what he is doing and move forward with it. So with that, we want to look in Genesis chapter 37 today. We're going to cover a lot of scripture today. And so um, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. You are a way maker. You're there in the fire. God, you're all those things and then some. God, you're moving in our lives. You're moving in your church. You're moving in the world. We want to embrace you today and see you at work in spite of everything else. Lord, we ask you to anoint our lips that we might speak your message of truth into the heart of your people. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse number 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Y'all know that's the robe of many colors. It is a sign of royalty, and because of the difficulty of making different colors into a garment, it was very wealthy, and it was seen for the wealthy and those of royal lineage. So here we read verse number four. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They could not say a kind word to him. It's an incredible amount of scripture here. As we begin to follow Joseph's story, we know if you read previous in 37th chapter that Joseph was 17 years old when this account begins to unfold. It tells us that in verse 2. Obviously, come on parents and grandparents, you need to hear me. You create an issue when you favor a child over another. You create the issue. And it creates problems in the lives of those around us and in the life of those you favor. And so as we see this problem with Jacob and his own issues and his problem in uh, obviously not raising his family correctly, in this context we can see it very clearly, but in spite of his father's bad judgment in family matters, and in spite of the fact that Joseph was rejected by all of his brothers, it didn't change who he was. Joseph was a man of integrity who served God faithfully in each and every situation of his life. So we continue in this 37th chapter in Joseph's life, and it tells us in verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. 
we're given a little glimpse of something right there. We're going to read verse 9 in just a second. But you notice this dream was spoken to them and shared. But there were obviously other times that God spoke to Joseph in dreams. Because his brothers actually used the plural form when they said, your dreams. We don't like them. We don't want to hear about them. Let's read verse number 9. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream. He said, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So now as this scenario continues, his brothers, the whole family of Jacob, were shepherds. And so we know that they went out in the field. If you read the details there, and I don't want to spend time there, but I want you to read verse number 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So, if you read the story and continue in this whole thing, they did grab Joseph and throw him in one of the cisterns, intending to leave him to die. As they talked about it, a caravan was approaching, and they said, hey, instead of putting our brother's blood on our hands, why not just sell him as a slave? We can make some money off him, and then we won't be guilty of killing him. So Joseph is sold as a slave and taken to Egypt. Chapter 39, we begin this account. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. <laughs> so as we look at the scriptures and see the story unfolding, I want us to look at some things and begin to self-examine ourselves in light of what we're seeing in the life of Joseph. I'm going to bring this up on occasions, but I want to remind you, this is Old Testament, book of Genesis, and the beginnings the Holy Spirit was not present in the hearts of believers. Those that followed God's way did so out of sure will, determination, and desire to please God, knowing that he was. So as we look at this young man's life, and we see him, and how he conducts himself, I say this kindly, but we in the New Testament era have no excuses. Check this out. Here's what we need to see. You know, Joseph had dreams that were given from God, and he knew they were from God. It was obvious that when he shared his dreams, everyone understood the interpretation of the dreams. 
His brothers knew when Joseph explained the dream to them that what Joseph was saying is, you're going to bow to me, and I'm going to be your king, your leader. I'm going to be over you. His father knew the meaning of the dream, and he, he made the proclamation in both cases. Those that heard Joseph tell the story of his dreams knew exactly what it meant because his father said, really, do you think me and your mom and your brothers are all going to bow to you? Remember where you are in the birth order? You're way down here. Remember culturally... In the Hebrew culture, the firstborn was the one that was the heir of all things, and he was the representative of God in the family, God's chosen one. And here was Joseph, number 11. So now we see this like complete contrast to what was accepted and normal in culture, being given in, in, in a dream, and God giving this young man something. Remember, he was 17 years old. You know how we view 17-year-olds today? I'm not going to go into details. You all know. You do. And so here's the 17-year-old that we would look at and say, you think you know everything. Okay. He has these dreams. Everyone understands it. Now as he's taken by his own brothers who already were rejecting him and sold as a slave, he's taken down into Egypt, a foreign land. And I want you to see this in the scriptures in the story that I just read to you. What we find in Joseph is that he never steps back from who he is, who God is, nor does he stop functioning in the ways that he is gifted. He uses his self, his talents, and his belief in God no matter what life brings him. Please let that sink in and think about it. We're talking about a 17-year-old boy. And he did not allow any circumstances, life events, no matter how bleak it looked, to change who he was, who he served, or how he conducted himself in every way. Even being bold as a slave. Think about it. So, what happens next? He's flourishing in the house of his master, and Potiphar's wife... By the way, the scriptures say Joseph was handsome and well-built. Not many times you see that in Scripture. But it talks about his physical appearance. Not only was he a man of integrity, he was a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife sees him and desires him and begins to ask him to sleep with her. If you read the account, you'll know that she inquired of him regularly, come and sleep with me. Come and Remember what we're talking about? A 17, now probably a 19-year-old boy. Come and sleep with me. He continuously tells her no. Does not want to violate his master's household. Stands at his integrity for who he is. A godly man. She finally tries to force him to sleep with her. No one's around, and so she takes her chance, grabs a hold of him. He pulls off his cloak and runs out of the house. I think there's a New Testament scripture that says this, draw near to God, draw near to him, and uh, the devil will flee from you. You know, run from temptation, get away from it. Joseph's already acting in this way, saying, I will not be part of this, and he runs physically away from the encounter. She screams that Joseph has tried to rape her. There's these crazy things that are taking place now. Just put the pieces together. We're talking about it in a time frame that's maybe two, two and a half years, possibly three years' time. That he has these incredible dreams from God, shares them with the family, understands, everybody understands that Joseph is going to be lifted up as a ruler, 
The next thing he finds himself as a slave, but things start going okay even as a slave. Things start moving in the right direction. And he might be encouraged by all this, and all of a sudden the, the bottom drops out again. But it drops out even worse. It's a lower crash than being a slave as he finds himself now being wrongly accused of rape and he's placed in prison. What kind of a time frame would be going on here? What would be going on in the mind of someone, us or Joseph, facing this situation? Is it time to question? Hey, like, what's going on? That was you that gave the dreams, not me. Did I hear right? Was that real? Were my brothers right? Was my dad right? What's going on? What is happening? I'm trusting you. I'm living by integrity and look at what's happening. My whole life is falling apart. The dreams, the ideas. Do you know how it is when you have a dream that, I mean, where it's a goal, a dream of your life, or maybe an actual dream that God has given you? And you believe it and you try and interpret it in your mind and you're seeing things and you think it's going to act... Everything is going contrary. What we find in this young man's life is he never stops living for who he is, who God is, how to serve God, and living in the moment with his talents and gifts. It is crazy. Who he is does not change with his current circumstances. Please hear that again. Who he is, who he serves, and how he serves never changes in spite of all the things that are going wrong in his life. Potiphar was furious. I'm reading in verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Now I'm going to, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I got to tell you that when you put together all the numbers from the the age of 17 to the time of the, all the stuff that happens in the future, we know that Joseph spent between 10 and 11 years in prison. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Look at verse 21. And I want you to really think about this verse as we read it. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. So (laughs) I'm not questioning that. I want you to hear me correctly when I say this. But he's in prison. (laughs) he was a slave and now he's in prison but it says that God was with him even in the prison and showed him his faithful love I wonder as you and I have gone through so many things in our life and places where we feel like how could it get any worse that we would even recognize or see God's faithful love in that moment continue reading in verse 21 and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden before long the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners 
And over everything that happened in the prison, the warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Man, I'm telling you, that section of scriptures just convicts me something fierce. I watched this young boy who is now becoming a young man in every situation of his life, staying true to who he is, true to who God is, true to the way that he is to live his life and conduct himself. And because of it, God shows his love in the situation, does not remove him from the situation, shows his love in the situation. Please, church, get that. In whatever place he finds himself, there he is with God, and there he trusts God. He continues to use his gifts, his talents, who he is as a person in every situation of his life. He models patience, integrity, the trust in God. And here we go, like, all right, so he's in prison for nine years now. Man, the, the time frames blow my mind. I mean, I'm like, yeah nine years he's still in prison and here comes this moment where two prisoners are placed under his care pharaoh has his cupbearer and his baker imprisoned remember how it said he was put where pharaoh's prisoners were yeah so even in his wrong placement god had him placed right where he needed to be Here it is. Both these guys have dreams and they wake up and their dreams are bugging them and they're talking about it saying, man, if we were only in Pharaoh's house, we could have the magicians and the sorcerers interpret our dreams. And Joseph says, the Lord could do that. I'll do it for you. What's your dreams? And they tell him. And so Joseph gives the interpretation. He tells the cupbearer in three days, you're going to be taken out of prison. You're going to be placed back in Pharaoh's service. You're going to be given your place back. The baker's like, "Woo, that was awesome. Great interpretation. Here's mine. Let me tell you my dream. And he tells him, he goes, in three days, you're also going to be taken out, but you're going to be beheaded and impaled on a stick. Not that great of an interpretation. Three days later, everything happens exactly like it was shown to them. And as Joseph interpreted the dreams, Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me when you go up to Pharaoh, I am innocent and I shouldn't be here. The guy forgets. Think about this for just a minute now. You, you have a belief in God. You think this has got to be the moment. This has got to be the moment. I have an ear of Pharaoh right here before me. God shows him this. God interprets the dream through Joseph. You know, in our flesh, we're looking like, here it is. This is the moment. I'm going to be out of here. Days turn into weeks, into months into years two years two years pass please think about it two more years pass from that moment where Joseph and his flesh would have seen the opportunity two years we're up near 11 years in prison now is there hope Is anything going to change? Is it time to start questioning? Time to wonder what God is up to, or if God is up to something. God, what are you doing? 
Is the way that I'm living even worth it? Every time I turn around and things start heading up, it crashes. And when it crashes, it's even worse than it was before. Think about your flesh. Come on, church. Think about this and your reaction in life and what is going on. Every time he turns around, bad things happen at the end of what seems like the elevation. Maybe the dreams are starting to fade in the distance. (laughs) I remember I had a dream. How can that ever happen? Look at my circumstance. Look where I am. How could that dream ever happen? I'm in Egypt. I'm in prison. 13 years have now passed since he was sold by his brothers into slavery. 13 years since those dreams. Can you remember what was going on in your life 13 years ago? You may be able to remember one big event, but if you think about this, 13 years have passed, a slave and a prisoner, 13 years. Not only is he a prisoner, but he's a wrongly accused innocent prisoner. The dreams that were once so real and vivid are probably beginning to fade into the background of life. In the 11th year, right there next to it, Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. You know the story. The cupbearer is there while the, the sorcerers and the magicians are trying to interpret and nobody gets it. And in that moment, he's like, hey, I remember somebody. Pharaoh, there was this dude in prison. Remember when you sent me there? And his name was Joseph, and he can interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh sends for him. You know, Joseph steps up before Pharaoh and says, God interprets dreams. Tell me your dream. He does. And he tells them, and Joseph interprets it. There's seven good years coming, but it's going to be followed by seven years of famine that will consume everything that happened in the good years. You need to take notice, and you need to store up in the good years because the bad years are going to eat everything up. There is a problem here. Verse 37 of that chapter, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. (laughs) That is so awesome, man. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him up in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down! (laughs) So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, 
but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. (laughs) Is God amazing or what? Seven years of plenty come. Do the math. Look where we're at now. He's been 20-some years away from home. Seven years of plenty come. Joseph stores up food, and there's so much food there in Egypt that he can't even count it anymore. And then comes the famine. The famine not only hits Egypt, but the surrounding lands. Everyone is struck with no food. In the second year of the famine, it is hitting Jacob's family heavy. And so he sends his sons to Egypt to buy food. Genesis 42. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. (laughs) Twenty-some years later, here they are with their faces to the ground and Joseph standing there looking down upon them. Verse 7, Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him, and he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. (laughs) God's so amazing, isn't he? I just want you to know, church, you already know this, but please hear it again. God is good to his word. God is never in a hurry, but God is good to his word. He is good to his word. A lot of stuff happens in this story. A lot of different things going on until finally we look later in the the book and the chapters and we see that Joseph, it's now time that he's going to reveal who he is to his brothers. And uh, I don't remember what chapter this is, but verse number three, I think it's like 46 or 47. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Listen to these words. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. Remember, these are the ones that sold them in slavery. Please come closer. I want you here with me. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Man, please 
Stop for a moment and look in your own life. Please stop right here today where you are and think of the, the words that are coming out of this young man's life. He's now in his late 30s. Don't be upset or angry. It was God, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. Seeing right through all circumstances, Joseph trusted God in every aspect of his life, no matter where life led him, no matter what circumstances he faced, no matter how bad it got, he was remained true to God, true to who he was in God, and true to what God asked him to do with his life. He served faithfully with his skills, his abilities, and he trusted. Even to those who wrongfully accused him, wrongfully sold him, his own family who rejected him, the one that was the outcast, it wasn't you, don't worry about it, I'm not holding you responsible. How do you view those around you that have had evil intentions and they've spoke those words against you? They've used circumstances of life to wrongly accuse you. How do you treat them? How do you respond? How do you see it when things are going wrong in every way, even though you're being faithful to God in every way? (laughs) I'm just asking you to think about this. Do you see those crisis moments of your life? Those places where you're in the... Do you see those as things that God is using, that God has placed you in to accomplish His purpose for your life? Is that the way you view it? Remember Romans 8.28? And we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. We often use that verse. Do you use that verse? Do you believe that verse? When you're down there in the pits and it seems there's no way out, 11 years in prison, do you trust Him? Are we applying what God's Word says to us in our life and our circumstances? Are we actually living God's Word in this moment of my life with whatever's going on, I trust you? Have you forgiven those who have wronged you? I mean, we have to visit this periodically as we do messages and God challenges us in Scripture, but right here is the classic, classic moment in life where we look at this and we have to say, hey, have you forgiven those who have wrongfully accused you, your family members that pushed you to the outside, who have spoken evil of you, who always hated you, who did not treat you right, who were jealous of you, whatever was going on. Have you forgiven them? Look at Joseph's approach to this. It wasn't you. Don't don't worry about it. I don't hold this against you. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we can't hold unforgiveness inside of us. Matthew 6, Jesus is giving the disciples this lesson on prayer. And he emphasizes that last part. You know this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Have you forgiven all who have wronged you in your life? Have you forgiven those who have put you in situations where you have lost your position? (laughs) Man. 
when I look back at this and I see this happening in this young man's life, I'm like so convicted. And I'm like, oh God, help me. How impatient I grow. (sighs) In my own life, God has given me dreams. I've written them down. I knew they were from him in the moment. I have shared with you in the past that many years ago, when God gave me a dream and a vision, I don't know if I was awake or asleep. I don't honestly know. I just want you to hear this part of it. When I saw it, I immediately began to interpret it and see how it would unfold and began to look for it in expectation that it would happen the way that I saw it. I guarantee you, as Joseph had those dreams, slavery and prison were never in his vision looking forward. Never. Never. And here's Dave with his vision and dream. I had that dream when I lived back in Michigan. It's been 27 years ago. (laughs) Had it all mapped out. All of them years later, all of a sudden, God was saying, you're done here, move. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not done here. That dream never happened. Can't be done. God, you're not done yet. You can't be because that never happened. You're done here. Here I am in Tucson, Arizona, this July, 15 years later. And in the process of time, I want you to know God has revisited that with me and said, I never said it would happen there. I never said it would happen then. I am God. And I know what I'm doing, and you may not even be involved. I just showed you something. Amen. God is good to his word. God is good to his word. Joseph saw God's hand through everything. He did not allow any of the crazy stuff, the crazy things that were facing him, the crazy changes that he went through to affect who he was, who God was in his life, and how he would serve him. I have these action steps for you today. How has God shown his activity in your life through the hard times of your past? Just look back for a moment. Now, if you were living in sin, I want you to know you caused most of what was going on in your life, so don't blame God for that. But if you were living however long you've lived for him, now I want you to glance into those moments of your life. How has God shown him in your past? He's shown himself in your past through those hard times. How's it happen? As you navigated through those hard times, did you take control or did you trust God? <clears throat> I'm a doer. So my temptation is always to fix it for God and to know what He wants, and so I'm going to make it happen. And God has called us to trust Him. Be who He is, how we're made, who He has called us to be in every situation, and not try and take control, but let God. How are you responding to your current situation? Everybody's facing stuff. We're going to face stuff. We still don't know how the economics are going to come out of this. We know that. Are you trusting him? Are you fully trusting him? 
the issues of your life that are going on, those that have just received bad health reports, they're, they're already laid off from their jobs, different stuff that's going on, struggles that are happening in their life. How are you responding to this? Do you see God doing something? Is He up to something? Is God working at fulfilling His life purpose for you? Do you see it that way? You must. If you're following Christ, you must see this very moment as you're in your life as something that God is fulfilling His purpose for us. Therefore, we trust you, God. No matter what it feels like, no matter where we end up, no matter what's going on, I trust you. I remain faithful to you. I will be your man, or your woman of God. Whoever we are, we're going to be all that for you, God. I will not stop being who you made me to be who you died to make me to be, regardless. Do you trust Him? Father, we love You. Thank You, God, for the lessons in Your Word. Thank You for this incredible man of God where we can learn from Him and His walk with You. And Lord, help us to apply Your truth in our life. As we close the service, I recognize that most of you are at home or maybe you're in your car or whatever. We always have an altar call at the end and I realized this morning that I have not had an altar call during our online services. I want you to know that your couch, your chair, your car seat, whatever it is, serves as the altar as you bow before the Creator and you forgive and you repent and you trust. Let's respond to Him today with all of our hearts as He calls us to this moment. God, we love you. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Amen.